Hello, and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday, the 15th of October 2022. This is David, and your other readers this week are Susan, Mark, and Catherine. Your editor is Fola. We are Team 5. As usual, our items were taken from the Gazette and Express, serving Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamstead and Tring, and all telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless it says otherwise. For those of you with computers, our website address is dtnhemel.org.uk. A special homecoming is this week's headline story, as teenager Jack Mills is back at school, almost a year after he was involved in a serious road collision. More on this and other stories now follows. Hello, this is Susan. A teenager from Hemel Hempstead is back at school almost a year after he was involved in a serious road collision in Long Chaldon. Jack Mills was left with a significant brainstem injury and broken leg, but was welcomed back to Laureate Academy on Monday, October the 3rd, following his emotional return to his Hemel home. He had been in hospital and a rehabilitation centre for nearly a year. His aunt, Angela Hunt, says that his homecoming was a special moment for all the family. She said, It was extremely emotional, to say the least, but we didn't think that he would ever survive his injuries, so it's an absolute miracle that he's got to where he has. Jack's family, friends and neighbours welcomed him home last month, with banners, balloons and cakes to celebrate this huge milestone. The collision happened on October the 14th, 2021, while Jack was riding a scooter in Long Chaldon. He was in collision with a black Range Rover and found unresponsive by paramedics. Hello, this is Mark. Jack was then airlifted to the Royal London Hospital, where a CT scan revealed his life-changing injuries. Soon after admission to the paediatric critical care unit at the hospital, Jack suffered a stroke. He spent time at the Children's Trust's Residential Rehabilitation Centre in Tadworth and has made great progress in his walking and talking abilities. Now, thanks to fundraising, Jack has been welcomed home and will have access to speech therapy and physiotherapy to aid his recovery. Angela said... He just battled so hard and he is so determined. If you ask him what he wants, all he wants is to be able to walk and learn to speak properly. She added, it's so important to him. Jack now has a one-to-one teacher at Laureate Academy and can see his friends regularly at school. So far, over £33,000 of the £40,000 target has been donated to help Jack and his family. The fundraised money will also go towards his ongoing treatment and for much-needed breaks away for him and the family. Hello, I'm Catherine. Thousands of eligible children in Hertfordshire were not receiving the free lunch they were entitled to last year. Campaigners have called for universal school meals for all children after figures revealed that over a fifth of eligible students in Hertfordshire are not taking up their free food. According to the Department of Education, 
there were over 6,000 children not taking free school meals, which they were entitled to in Hertfordshire. 22.7% of eligible students in Year 3 and above missing out every day. A total of over 20,000 children received free school meals out of the 20,000-plus pupils who were eligible in the county last year. These figures do not count for children who were absent on the census day or those who did not need a meal. Sarah Olgavy, Policy Director at the Child Poverty Action Group, called on the government to introduce universal free school meals. She told our sister publication, National World, while it's difficult to be precise about how many eligible children are not taking their free school meals, we do know that families and, st- and children still feel stigmatised, which is another reason to move towards free meals for all school kids. Sarah said... Around 800,000 children below the poverty line are not even eligible because the criteria are so restrictive that with so many families unable to pay bills right now, it's clear that eligibility must be expanded so that every child can get a free, nutritious meal in school. No child should be going hungry in school because there isn't much money at home. At Labour's annual party conference, Shadow Education Secretary Bridget Philipson did not commit to universal free school meals, but did say that Labour would provide free breakfast clubs at every primary school in England. Children in state reception and years one and two are entitled to free school meals, regardless of their household income. Parents or carers who receive benefits like universal credit and have a household income under £7,400 a year can claim free school meals for older children. Find out if you are eligible to put in a claim by visiting gov.uk or visit hertfordshire.gov.uk. Disabled children and their families in Hertfordshire are in need of support from people who can give their time to provide short breaks and fun activities. Hertfordshire County Council is keen to recruit shared carers in decorum in the hope of giving much-needed breaks to families who have children with learning or physical disabilities. Steph from Hemel Hempstead has been a shared carer for four years and cares for two families. She explained, being a shared carer is all about giving up a little bit of time to support families. She explained that she cares for the children in her own home and they enjoy baking, creating art, going to the park and playing. Steph, who cares for a total of four children, also takes them on trips to swimming pools and trampoline parks. Steph said, The best thing about being a shared carer is meeting new people and knowing that I'm making a difference in other people's lives. Not only just the children, but the parents or the guardians of the children, and also to me and my family as well. The carers asked to regularly give some time each year to provide fun activities or a short break to these children. Currently, there are around 70 disabled children who are benefiting from shared care, but the council say there are many more who could be helped. 
Shared carers can choose how many hours of care they provide, for which they are paid allowances to cover expenses. There are also people needed to look after a child overnight or for a weekend. Councillor Fiona Thompson, Cabinet Member for Children, Young People and Families at Hertfordshire County Council, said, It really is a hugely valued role and highly fulfilling. You would be providing much needed respite to both the child and the family. The Council has explained that shared care can be flexible and applicants will have a package worked out to suit them. For more information about how to become a shared carer, visit hertfordshire.gov.uk forward slash shared care. Alternatively, call this number 0800 917 0925. Businesses in decorum are being urged to know their vulnerabilities. After the borough was found to have the highest recorded number of business burglaries last year, along with Hartsmere and Wellin Hatfield. In the past 12 months, there were 106 business burglaries in decorum. Chief Inspector Jason Keane explained how firms can prevent themselves from becoming victims whilst addressing members of the Independent Business Advisory Group, the IBAG. C.I. Keane said, Steps firms can take to mitigate the risk of loss, the risk of loss include ensuring they have a monitored and operating alarm system, to install and review CCTV systems to ensure they provide good quality images, and to not leave cash in premises overnight. Business burglary makes up a fifth of all burglary cases recorded in Hertfordshire, with an average of two a day. IBAG and Hertfordshire Chamber of Commerce chairperson Jeremy Bishop said the cost is not just the value to stock or money stolen, but also the time and funds needed to make repairs and the negative effect on staff morale. The riskiest time of the week is early Monday morning from midnight until 4am. The most common form of entry is for thieves to break in, the, break in through the locks on doors. While there is a spike from 5pm to 7pm, late at night and early mornings are the times burglars are most likely to strike. Schools, garages, food and drinks outlets and high street retailers are the places that are most likely to have break-ins. A look now at readers' correspondence on the Let's Talk page. Philip Aylett, coordinator, New Hampshire, Hospital campaign writes, Despite spending millions on architects and planners, the West Hearts Trust have not been able to come up with an attractive or effective design for the preferred option for an emergency care hospital in Vicarage Road, Watford. The Trust plans three tower blocks and another large structure at Watford General. At up to 260 feet, this will be the fourth tallest NHS building in the whole of the United Kingdom. The Watford building's price tag is £1.1 billion, making it among the most expensive of all the new 48 hospital facilities, and the cost keeps rising. This extravagance is sucking investment from other local hospitals, including Hemel Hempstead. 
Sadly, the long-term future of Hemel Hospital is very much on the line, with plans to neglect some, back, some backlog maintenance. Also, the Trust are planning for just a tiny 6% rise in urgent care cases at Hemel Hospital over the next 15 years, despite firm projections of an increasing and ageing population. By contrast, the Trust are planning for a rise of nearly 30% in attendances at the emergency department at Watford. So, many more of us will be making the often frustrating journey to Watford General. Over time, Hemel Hospital may become irrelevant to the Trust's grand plans. And when patients get to the new facility at Watford, it will look like a clinical carbuncle. The problem is the proposed layout. Other huge NHS hospitals, like those in the centre of London, have either a single tower or two towers staggered, allowing patients and staff light and views. But the Trust are ignoring such sensible design logic. Watford General's three towers are face to face each other in a parallel row, with just 15 metres between them. The impact on life in the new Watford facility will be severe. A trust document shows that even in June, many wards and other rooms will suffer from shade most of the day, creating a dark environment that will do nothing to promote the mental and physical health. Last year, a Watford Council study said, quality of design required careful attention before tall buildings are considered. The Council have abandoned this excellent principle in approving these hospital plans. Strange that Watford councillors show such careful attention to the look of flat blocks for the able-bodied, but ignore the impact of design on the well-being of the sick. This thoughtless decision will affect many hundreds of thousands across West Hertfordshire. Yet, there is an alternative for West Hearts. An emergency care and specialist hospital on a clear new site to work along with planned care at other hospitals in the area. But the Trust have obstinately refused to properly explore such possibilities. Harlow's Princess Alexandra Hospital NHS Trust could have gone for Watford-style high-rises on their crowded existing site, but instead they're making a passionate case for NHS funding for a new hospital on a clear new site where, they argue, carefully landscaped green spaces and medium-rise buildings on a human scale will benefit patients, visitors, staff and local biodiversity. There is no chance of that at the planned Watford General, surrounded by the proliferating Riverwell housing estate and cut off from greenery. It is time our local NHS and council leaders showed the same vision as our Essex neighbours. The people of West Hertfordshire deserve so much better. Returning to more local news, Leverstock Green Councillor Hazel Bazadone has been named as one of five councillors who are shortlisted for a local government information unit's LGU, LGIU Lifetime Achievement Award. Former Decorah Borough Mayor Councillor Bazadone was nominated by fellow Conservative Councillor Margaret Griffith 
for her 46 years of service to the ward, where she has lived since 1974. Reacting to the news, the councillor said, I was absolutely gobsmacked to be nominated. But, she added, I won't be standing again as I'm past my sell-by date. The councillor, chairman of the Appeals Committee, is up for the Lifetime Achievement Award at the 13th Annual Councillor Awards, which recognises someone who has dedicated 15 years or more to serving their local community through their role on the council. She said, I don't expect to win. And reflecting on her time in the council, she said, hopefully I have looked after the people of Leverstock Green. LGIU Chief Executive Jonathan Carr West said the 2022 Councillor Awards shortlist is a reflection of the dedication and resilience shown by councillors during some of the most turbulent and worrying years in recent history. He added, We are incredibly proud to showcase their stories in this year's shortlist. Congratulations to all of the shortlisted councillors. Councillor Bazardone is an events manager at DENS, a member of the Leverstock Green Women's Institute and has been a member of the Leverstock Green Village Association. The winners of the awards will be announced in Bath later this month. Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner, PCC, David Lloyd, has reassured residents that every home burglary in the county is already attended by police. On Wednesday, October the 5th, Chief Constables across England and Wales pledged to have their forces attend all home burglaries in the hopes of reducing crime and getting more criminals prosecuted. But Mr Lloyd said the practice had been in place in Hertfordshire for years. PCC said, On a typical day, there are seven residential burglaries, which is recognised as being very low for a county of this size. You're very unlikely to be a victim of this crime. The number of home thefts in Hertfordshire is almost half what they were before the pandemic. Assistant Chief Constable Jenna Telfer said, Hertfordshire Constabulary has a practice which requires attendance at the scene of a dwelling burglary and has done for some time. This is in line with the national position. A recent independent public opinion survey commissioned by Mr Lloyd's office found that 80% of people felt safe in Hertfordshire, but burglary and cybercrime were residents' top concerns. He explained, We're not complacent though, as every home burglary has a devastating effect on the victim. The PCC added, I'm encouraging the constabulary to go further and use spatial crime analysis and predictive mapping techniques to understand where there is a heightened risk of this type of crime. Mr Lloyd's office has secured more than £700,000 in Home Office funding to increase security at hundreds of properties as part of the Safe Streets project. A three-time World Games medalist from Hemel Hempstead is elected as one of five new additions to the Special Olympics GB Athletics Leadership Team, ALT. Long jumper Mitch Camp is part of ALT 
following a successful interview and selection process. Tom Casson, who oversees the ALT, said, On behalf of everyone at Special Olympics GB, we'd like to say huge congratulations to the new members of our ALT. He added, Our five new athletes are shining examples of the values which embody Special Olympics GB, and we are excited to be supporting them on their journey. Mitch, who trains and competes with Special Olympics St Albans, sees his role as helping raise awareness for the charity by putting himself out there and making a difference. Mitch's role model is Jessica Ennis-Hill, and he hopes to follow in her footsteps. His favourite sporting memory is winning gold at the World Games in LA, where he discovered nothing is impossible. Special Olympics GB represents the voices of thousands of athletes living with intellectual disabilities across Great Britain and champions an ethos of inclusion. A dad from Tring has raised nearly £3,000 after he ran the London Marathon on Sunday, October the 2nd for the Children's Liver Disease Foundation, CLDF, to honour his stepson. Stephen Grant was one of the thousands taking to the streets of London for the race and ran to raise funds for the charity which helps children like his stepson, Joshua. Joshua was born with the rare liver disease, biliary atresia, a condition where the bile ducts haven't formed properly, leading to a complete blockage of the bile flow from his liver. He underwent a five-hour operation when he was weeks old to help the bile to flow. And whilst this was a success, Stephen says that Joshua will always have liver disease and will likely need a liver transplant one day. The 14-year-old has portal hypertension and an enlarged spleen, for which he has annual medical checks at Birmingham Children's Hospital so that his condition can be closely monitored. Stephen explained... Despite all this, he is a very happy, sporty and outgoing young lad. His condition doesn't hold him back. He lives life to the full and his confidence and strength in life is what makes us so very proud of him. He added, We owe everything to the amazing liver team at Birmingham Children's Hospital and to the Liver Foundation for continuing to carry out research into liver disease. The dad, who works in the city, had his training disrupted by injuries, but managed to finish the marathon in 5 hours and 27 minutes, despite being unwell. Chief Executive of Children's Liver Disease Foundation, Rebecca Cooper, said, CLDF is the only UK charity dedicated to fighting all childhood liver diseases by providing information and emotional support, funds for research, and a voice for all those affected. Rebecca added, in order to do this, however, we rely on voluntary donations, so we're so grateful that Stephen did the London Marathon for us. He smashed his target of £2,000 and still has more donations coming in. Hertfordshire has the highest rate of metal theft in England and Wales, figures reveal. The AA said metal theft which includes the theft of valuable car parts, rises when household budgets are squeezed. 
Office for National Statistics data shows Hertfordshire Constabulary recorded over a thousand metal theft offences in 2021 to 2022, a rate of 8.9 offences per 10,000 people in the area. This was down from 12.4 per 10,000 people in the year before, but a higher rate than almost anywhere else in England and Wales. Of the thefts last year, 791 were infrastructure-related, which includes the stripping of metal such as roofing lead from buildings, taking electricity or railway cables, or stealing vehicle parts. The remaining 282 were non-infrastructure-related, which could involve stealing scrap metal or war memorial plaques. Across England and Wales, 30,100 metal theft offences were recorded last year, up from 19,000 a year earlier, and the highest number since 2013-14. Almost two-thirds of these were related to infrastructure, the highest proportion since comparable records began in 2012-13. Rates of metal theft fell from 2012 to 13, around the time the Scrap Metal Dealers Act, brought in to crack down on the trade in stolen metal, was introduced. However, the local government aid association, LGA, said rates have since risen due to several factors, including a significant increase in metal prices. Nessil Kaliskan, chair of the LGA's Safer and Stronger Communities Board, said... Metal theft is extremely damaging and costly and has the potential to affect a range of people and businesses. Councils work hard to support businesses to meet the requirements of the relevant legislation, targeting their resources as efficiently as possible and can take enforcement action where issues are identified. The LGA is calling for the government to introduce an offence within the Scrap Metal Dealers Act for receiving cash for scrap metal, as well as specific funding to support enforcement to help local authorities. Jack Cousins, Head of Roads Policy for the AA said, when there is a squeeze on household budgets, sadly crimes such as metal and car parts theft rise. The two main reasons are the steady price in steady rise in price of scrap metal values and thieves selling parts on the black market. While reputable scrap merchants uphold and implement the rules when it comes to selling metal, more needs to be done to tackle the yards willing to turn a blind eye when a big delivery comes in. The AA called on the government to recruit and train more police officers to deter thieves from stealing parts in the first place. A Home Office spokesman said, We recognise the impact that theft can have on victims, and we want offenders charged and brought to justice in the courts. We are giving police the resources they need to keep us safe, including recruiting 20,000 extra police officers and providing funding to the National Infrastructure Crime Reduction Partnership, which ensures the police and law enforcement partners work together to tackle metal theft. Now... 
Police seize uninsured vehicles. Here's some statistics. 542,370 vehicles have been taken away from drivers for not having insurance since 2018. Furthermore, 64,682 have been seized so far this year. Vehicles seized around the United Kingdom since 2018 by nation and region. Northern Ireland, 9,360. Scotland, 33,000. Wales, 27,700. West Midlands, 44,056. West Yorkshire, 33,829. And London, 62,900. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and more news. Energy bill scam texts, a warning from Neighbourhood Watch. Action Fraud has received 139 crime reports relating to fake text messages purporting to be from the UK government. The texts state that the recipient is owed or eligible for an energy bill discount as part of the energy bill support scheme. The links in the emails lead to genuine looking websites that are designed to steal your personal and financial information. How to protect yourself. Energy bill discount. Households in Great Britain will receive a 400 energy bill discount. You do not need to apply for the scheme and you will not be asked for your bank details. For more information, visit gov.uk forward slash government forward slash news forward slash 400 hyphen energy hyphen bills hyphen discount hyphen to support hyphen households hyphen this hyphen winter. And if you've spotted a suspicious text message, forward it to 7726, which is free of charge, if you forward a text to 7726, your provider can investigate the origin of the text and arrange to block or ban the sender if it's found to be malicious. Now here's a date for your diary. The Site Village exhibition is going to be held on Tuesday the 8th of November, 10am at Kensington Town Hall. It's an unmissable event for people of all ages living with varying degrees of sight loss. Professionals supporting and advising VIPs and also for all businesses and other organisations wishing to improve their services for the visually impaired. QAC Sight Village is described as the UK's leading exhibition for blind and partially sighted people and for those experiencing sight problems. Each year, thousands of people visit our events to find out firsthand the latest technology, products and support services available, including audio equipment and services, braille equipment and services, CCTVs, magnification, computers, daily living equipment, education and training, information and support services, leisure services, low vision aids, mobility aids, peripherals, screen enlargers and readers.
Exhibitors include charities, commercial companies and voluntary organisations from across the UK, Europe and the world. Kevin Duna is planning to attend with two other people and would like and be happy to give another person a lift there and back. Please contact him on the following number. 219149 or his mobile number 07775 Obituaries recorded on the family announcements page of this week's paper are Anne Mary Baldwin, Richard Edward Dickinson and Leslie Richard Lunn. May they rest in peace. And now for a bit of what's on locally. Music. St Cecilia Festival Concert, St Albans Abbey, October the 15th, 7.30pm. Aeolian Singers, Hardinge Choir, Radlett Choir, St Albans Chamber Choir and St Albans Symphony Orchestra present Hayden's The Creation and the world premiere of James Francis Brown. Hartwood Wilding. Visit saso.org.uk to book. Theatre. Little Women is at Watford Palace Theatre from October the 11th to the 22nd. Published in 1868, Louisa May Alcott's Little Women is one of the best love novels of all time by turns comic, dramatic, romantic and tragic. The book was inspired by Alcott's experiences growing up with her three sisters and is the story of the March family, Mother Marmee and her daughters Beautiful Meg, Strong-Minded Joe, Sensitive Beth and Spoiled Amy as they struggle to survive in New England during the American Civil War. Anne-Marie Case's adaption of the classic story offers an exciting theatrical experience, guaranteed to be a night or afternoon filled with laughter, tears and a lifting of the spirits. Visit watfordpalacetheatre.co.uk to book. Did you know 16th of October is World Food Day? A UN day aimed at raising awareness for those suffering from hunger across the world and how important a healthy diet is. Then, on the 17th to 23rd of October, it's Recycle Week, the nation's annual celebration of recycling. This year's theme is Let's Get Real and aims to improve everyone's recycling habits. A concert at Hasto Village Hall honoured Nika Rothschild, a former Tring resident and jazz patron, with a special concert in September. The Evening of Jazz, organised by Tring and District Local History and Museum Society, saw septet shoehorns celebrate women of jazz with music from composers and players of the 1950s, like Mary Lou Williams, Clora Bryant... Anita O'Day and Alice Coltrane. Tring History's Richard Tregoning, the composer, the compere for the Nika and the Jazz Divas Evening, said, 
The concert was a great success to a full house of over 200 who all enjoyed the excellent playing and singing of the shoehorns. Nico, who died in 1988, spent an early life at the mansion Tring Park before moving to New York and becoming influential in the bebop jazz movement. There will be a further concert in 2023 celebrating the late Baroness. This week in history... October the 12th, 1915. British nurse Edith Cavell was executed as a spy by German firing squad. On this day last year, scientists discovered four subgroups of one of the most common brain tumours and proposed a potential new treatment to tackle the most aggressive type. October the 13th, 1984. John Lowe achieved the first televised 501 score in nine darts in a major event in the quarterfinals of the World Match Play Championship in Slough. October the 14th, 1969. The 50p decimal coin was first issued in Britain, replacing the 10 shilling note. On this day last year, more than a 1,000 schools marred by poor internet speeds in rural areas were hooked up to a hyperfast gigabit broadband. October the 15th, 1976. Two men from the Ulster Defence Regiment, UDR, were jailed for 35 years in connection with the murders of members of the Miami show band. On this day last year, Actor Daniel Kaluuya, England footballer Marcus Rashford and television presenter Alex Scott were named on a list of the UK's most influential black people. October the 16th, 1946, the Nuremberg executions began. They included von Ribbentrop, Rosenberg and Stryker. October the 17th, 1956, Calder Hall in Cumbria, Britain's first large-scale atomic energy station, was opened by the Queen. An antique and interior shop on Berkhamsted High Street is celebrating being in business for 25 years. Back in 1997, Alison and Graham Reed Davis and their friends Lizzie and Tony Stanton Kipping opened Home and Colonial after brainstorming ideas over dinner. Across five floors, the store has more than 35 antique dealers and collectors who sell vintage furniture, clothing and new furnishings in Berkhamsted. Alison, who lives in Wickington Bottom, and her partners are very proud of their shop, which has gone from strength to strength despite the challenges facing high streets across Britain. She said that reaching this anniversary felt like quite a milestone. She said, I just feel very lucky to have been associated with a lovely business with a terrific group of people. It feels great to be in partnership with people for 25 years and to get on so well. That's lovely. When Home and Colonial first opened for business, its cafe on the fifth floor was the only one on the high street. Now, a quarter of a century later, 
the partners have seen their shop and town flourish into what customers see today. Recently, the top floor of Home in Colonial has been transformed into an antique rug showroom. Alison described the shop as being like a department store with a mix of interiors, as well as jewellery, clothing and everything needed for homes and gardens. From mid-century pieces to more contemporary items, Alison says there's something for everyone, whatever their tastes or budget, something that has helped them remain successful during its 25 years. Would you like to volunteer, but are unable to commit to a regular volunteering role? Consider becoming a time-to-time volunteer. At the Volunteer Centre, we are compiling a database of volunteers who are available to volunteer on a time-to-time basis. This would suit someone who is unable to commit to a regular volunteering role or someone who is already volunteering but would like to offer some more time on an irregular basis. This would also suit someone who has the opportunity to volunteer volunteer through their work's Corporate Social Responsibility Programme. Time-to-time volunteering roles could include stewarding at events for various different charities in the area or helping with a charity collection or stall at an event. There are numerous benefits from volunteering for both your mental and physical well-being. A study by the Royal Voluntary Service showed that volunteering increases people's quality of life and life satisfaction scores. It is also known that volunteering is an effective way to combat depression, anxiety and other mental health struggles. Volunteering also increases your physical activity and studies show that volunteering can help to decrease your blood pressure. Volunteering is also a great way to ward off loneliness. If you are interested in finding out more about time-to-time volunteering, please get in touch with us by emailing volunteering at communityactiondecorum.org.uk or calling us on 247-209. You can also drop in to see us. We are in the round building outside Poundland in Hamilton Centre. We are open Monday to Friday, 10am to 3pm. Jeremy Paxman has revealed he was diagnosed with Parkinson's after a fall on icy ground while walking his dog. The first thing I knew was when somebody was sitting me on a bench. I'd fallen over and I'd made a terrible mess of my face, the 72-year-old says, in Paxman putting up with Parkinson's, airing on Tuesday, October the 4th at 9pm on ITV. He continues, When I was in A&E, a doctor walked in and said, I think you've got Parkinson's and it turned out that he had been watching University Challenge and had noticed that my face had acquired what's known as the Parkinson mask. I wasn't as effusive and exuberant as normal. I had no idea. In the documentary, Paxman, who announced in August he was departing the legendary quiz show after 29 years, chats to the chase's Paul Sinha, who also has Parkinson's, about his experience with the condition, which usually starts to show after the age of 50. 
It's a much more complicated disease than people give it credit for, isn't it? Because everyone associates it with the tremors, Sinha says. But at the moment, the tremors are not really part of my diagnosis. For me, it's the tightness and slowness of movement. Researchers don't yet know exactly why people develop Parkinson's. They believe it's a combination of age, genetic and lifestyle factors, causing certain nerve cells to die, meaning the brain can't produce enough dopamine to control movement properly. There are over 40 symptoms, ranging from pain to insomnia to anxiety, says Rowan Waithes, Associate Director of the UK Parkinson's Excellence Network, parkinsons.org.uk. However, people's experiences of Parkinson's can vary, and not everyone will experience all of these symptoms all the time. If you're worried about any potential symptoms, see your GP for advice. The classic Parkinson's tremor can start as a small but uncontrollable, uncontrollable movement, usually first appearing in the hand before spreading to affect the rest of the arm or down to the foot on the same side of the body. There are two common types of tremor, where it says. A resting tremor happens when someone is still and relaxed, for example, when lying in bed. An action tremor happens midway through a task when someone is trying to hold a magazine or drink from a glass. Waithes talks through some of the less commonly known signs and symptoms of Parkinson's. One, rigidity. Muscles can become tight and stiff, which may affect movement in a variety of ways, such as a person not being able to swing their arms when they walk. Some people with Parkinson's can struggle to turn around, get out of chairs and even turn over in bed, says Waithes. Simple tasks can become a lot harder, for example fastening buttons, typing or writing. Handwriting may become noticeably spidery, smaller or difficult to read. 2. Slowness of movement. As movement slows down, a person's coordination might be affected. The way they walk can look more like a shuffle and their pace might slow down. Everyday tasks we take for granted, such as paying for shopping at a checkout or opening a packet of food, might take longer. 3. A decreased sense of smell. Some people notice their sense of smell, especially when it comes to familiar or favourite foods, has disappeared. Waits says, a condition known as hypo a condition known as hyposmia. This can sometimes start years before other symptoms develop, even before diagnosis. 4. The Parkinson's mask. As mentioned by Jeremy Paxman, the Parkinson's mask refers to the way a person's facial muscles are affected, meaning that their expression could appear less varied, blank or sad. This can happen even if they're actually experiencing strong emotion, Ways explained. The medical term is hypomemia, but medication as well as speech and language therapy can help people experiencing this. 5. Hallucinations. 
Many people with Parkinson's say they experience hallucinations at some point, Wade says, suggesting this usually happens as a side effect of medication, but in some cases can be a symptom of Parkinson's itself or another condition such as dementia. 6. Swallowing Wade says people with Parkinson's might cough when they are eating or drinking or find it difficult to keep food or drink in their mouth. Chewing food can take longer and some people struggle to open their mouths. Hemel Hempstead businesswoman Karen Young has won at Best Businesswoman's Awards. Karen, who owns Safe Hands Canine Massage, won the Animal Services Award and received a silver award in the Customer Services category in the UK-wide competition on Friday the 30th of September. Safe Hands Canine Massage provides massage therapy and exercise programmes for dogs, which helps them move with more freedom and less pain. Karen said, Helping our amazing dogs lead happier, healthier lives and supporting their owners with advice during sessions and on my website makes every day a good day. The judges said Karen's business shone through, offering a unique and much-needed service for dogs, saying that she's a great example of a caring therapist with a clear drive and passion for her business. A bereaved mum from Decorum was part of 12-strong team of bereaved women who climbed Snowdon for the charity Sudden Unexplained Death in Childhood UK, SUDC UK. Bovingdon's Nikki Speed helped set up the charity SUDC UK after losing her child Rosie, aged two, just before Christmas in 2013. Fellow Hearts mum Sharon of Bushy is an operating department practitioner and lost her child Tobias when he died suddenly, aged just 14 months. Both of their children died suddenly and no explanation has been found. Nikki explained that there is nothing quite like looking another parent in the eye that truly understands the impact of losing your little boy or girl so suddenly and not knowing why. She said, Coming together to climb this mountain gave me immense comfort and hope. We would have done anything to save our children, and together we are determined to inspire the support needed to save other children's lives and stop SUDC. The group reached the summit in under five hours, with each member carrying a symbol of remembrance for their child that they placed on the peak. The charity aims to fund research into potential explanations for these children's deaths in the hope of preventing others. Sudden, unexplained death in childhood is when seemingly healthy children unexpectedly die, often in their sleep and without explanation. Through SUDC UK, these mothers found each other and were given family support, independent testing and research. The group's fundraising efforts can be supported at justgiving.com forward slash campaign SUDC Snowden 22. 
a woman from King's Langley is halfway through her 365-day challenge to raise money and awareness about a rare form of cancer after her mother-in-law died last month. Kerry Kez Pearson is challenging herself to roller skate every day to honour her mother-in-law, Liz, who was diagnosed with sarcoma, a rare cancer of the bone and soft tissue, in 2021. Kez said... Liz has been like a mum to me since I joined the family. She explained, My father-in-law, Anthony, was diagnosed with a brain tumour in March 2021. Liz was a tar of strength for our family, and while we all pulled together to support Anthony, little did we know that Liz was fighting her own undiagnosed cancer battle. The 38-year-old mum has documented her awareness-raising and fundraising efforts for Sarcoma UK on social media. On her Instagram feed, Kez talks about the health and well-being benefits that come with roller skating and shares new skills, tips and tricks. Liz's cancer was misdiagnosed for months as deep vein thrombosis before it was revealed that she had a 27-centimetre-long leomyosarcoma in her left calf. Her leg was amputated, but a follow-up CT scan found that the cancer had spread, leading to a terminal diagnosis. Liz died in September, nine months after her sarcoma diagnosis. Talking about Liz's passing, Kez said, We're heartbroken. Raising money and raising awareness for Sarcoma UK is the only thing in my power left against this terrible disease. Sarcoma UK is a national bone and soft tissue cancer charity that funds vital research, offers support for anyone affected by sarcoma cancer and campaigns for better treatments. For Kez, roller skating is a release and the skating challenge has become her therapy. She's urging everyone to familiarise themselves with the signs of sarcoma and to contact their GP if they have any of these symptoms. A lump which is growing, changing or bigger than a golf ball. Swelling, tenderness or pain in or around the bone which may come and go and may be worse at night. Stomach pain feeling sick, loss of appetite, or feeling full after eating a small, only a small amount of food, blood in either poo or vomit. If you're planning on going away for a half-term break, your preparation may already be a work in progress, totally orchestrated with military precision. Or perhaps you belong to a different tribe, where the prospect of filling suitcases leaves you floundering in a heap of panic and clothing, frantically invoking the powers of Mary Poppins. However we face the preamble to a family holiday, there is something about packing that can strike fear into the heart of many a sane parent. And with more than a third of Brits admitting, in one survey, to shedding tears after forgetting their favourite home comforts, Perhaps it's no surprise that the pressure of preparation can feel like a heavy load. The study of 1,500 people excavated their packing habits and found that Brits take a lot of time and effort with it. 
spending an average of five days carefully curating their bags. Three out of four parents admitted that their child's beloved cuddly toy has seen more places around the globe than they ever did as a youngster, according to the research from European holiday experts Eurocamp. With that special toy being a non-negotiable travel item for little ones, 72% of parents said that it must come on holiday and that leaving it behind could prompt a meltdown at any moment. Almost two-thirds of families said they would give up precious suitcase space for their children, missing out on vital holiday outfit options and their own creature comforts. With the children's stuff taking priority, almost 80% of families have had to become self-declared packing masters. The space once occupied by home comforts, multiple outfits and accessories has been usurped by packing cubes, tightly rolled clothes and the little one's favourite things. Despite the stress of packing for a family, almost 90% of people revealed that it makes them even more excited about a trip, with 60% saying that packing is the best part of the holiday. With suitcase space at a premium and morphing into something akin to prized real estate, the strain may be beginning to show long before even setting foot on an aeroplane. If you're among the tribe for whom no getaway is complete without at least one clan row, fear not. According to the survey, families get into an average of three arguments before their big departure. Despite taking time and care over what we put in our suitcases, things get overlooked and home comforts can be forgotten. Tea bags top the list of things Brits love to take abroad, and failure to remember them could well end in tears for many. Almost half of those surveyed said they need to pack tea bags in order to survive a holiday, with nearly one in six admitting to packing their own kettle or coffee machine to make their perfect holiday brew. A further 15% confessed to bringing their own ironing board with them, forgoing an extra pair of shoes to ensure their clothes looked pristine and nearly 14% of Brits admitted to stuffing their favourite duvet into their suitcase to get the perfect night's sleep when away. The survey data about what the nation loves to take on holidays with them really reflects everything we see in our parks across Europe, said Ross Matthews, Chief Sales and Marketing Officer at Eurocamp. Our love of tea isn't world round for nothing. Some of our on-site team have even revealed this is a regular question guests ask when they arrive. Where can they get their favourite tea bags? The top ten items Brits love to take abroad. Number one, tea bags. Number two, their own pillow. Three, chocolate. Four, sweets. Five, their children's favourite toy. Number six, Calpole. Seven, a teddy bear. Eight, biscuits. Nine, an iron. And finally, at number ten, their own duvet. Hemel Hempstead Town and Berkhamstead both recorded important wins on a successful Saturday last weekend. The Tudors made it five league games unbeaten with a 2-0 success at Slough Town in National League South, while Berkhamstead also won 
their victory at St Albans putting them fifth in the SPL Division 1 Central. Hemel arrived at Arbor Park, having never beaten their hosts at their new stadium, and for the first 20 minutes it looked as though that record would not be challenged, as Slough dominated the early exchanges, hitting the crossbar three minutes in through Matt Lynch and Johnny Goddard and Josh Jackson shooting just wide, writes Alan Mitchell. Ogu Obi lobbed too high for Hemel, whose keeper Craig King superbly denied Lee Togwell. The Tudors went in front against the run of play when Janaid Mead did well down the left before cutting the ball inside to Obi, who outmuscled his marker before curling a superb shot into the corner of the net from the edge of the box. The second period saw the visitors step up their game with Corey Roberts seeing his header cleared off the line. The goal that decided the game came in the 74th minute when Hemel had a free kick out on the right. It was fired into the back post where sub Bailey Brown rose above everyone else and guided it back across the face of the goal where it clipped the inside of the post and went in to seal the points. Next up for Hemel is a rearranged game against Chesson on Saturday at Vauxhall Road. Berkhamsted, meanwhile, moved back into the playoff places with a 2-0 win at Waltham Abbey. The visitors went close through Ryan Blake's efforts, which hit the post in the first half, while Ryan Kinane twice headed off target. Two substitutes were key to the win, as Ethan Kessel and Jack Tompkins came on in midfield and went to get the only goals of the game in the last 15 minutes. Jonathan Lacey was the architect of both goals. He beat the, four, the, he beat the full back on the left and laid a cross back into the path of Kessel, who scored his first goal since joining the Comrades. Lacey then threaded the ball to Tompkins, who got in front of the defence and slotted the ball home for what was also his first goal for the club. Burko hosted Sirencester on Tuesday after this week's Gazette had gone to press. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 7.24 in the morning to 18.07 hours in the evening. For those of you with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening on this week's news via a memory stick, after the music, there is the Aminti section that gives details of various groups and the contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly. Turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, your editor 
and your technician for this week, Joe. Goodbye.